Well, man, it's great to see you guys. Hopefully you've had a wonderful week. And if this is your first time at North Star, or maybe if we've never met, my name's Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's going to be a great, great morning. We want to welcome everybody in our chapel, everybody worshiping online, and everybody in the room here today. And it's cold out, so it's warm in here, so let's get ready. It's going to be fun. Hey, why don't you grab your Bible, your worship guide you got when you came in. If you have your, your smartphone and like we don't have our smartphone, right? Who doesn't have their smartphone on them? And we have a North Star app. You could download that from your Play Store or wherever you get apps from and just type in North Star GA, North Star Georgia, North Star GA. Everything I'm going to say, everything we're going to do is on that app. So it's going to be great. As Larry said, and he, we're in the middle of a series called One Another. And we've been looking at the different one another passages. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to continue in that and dive in with that. But before we go any further, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever gotten involved in something or gotten in the middle of something and you realized this, this is really different than what I thought it was going to be? You know, sometimes that's, sometimes that's a negative thing. Sometimes that's a, yeah, this isn't, this isn't really what I signed up for. Sometimes that's a great thing. You get in the middle of it and it's like, you know, this is way different and this is, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. And you're really glad you did it. That's happened to us in our family. We, um, North Star is really the only church we've really been on staff at. And we've been here for 17 years. And so almost 17. And so before we came here the, in our 20s, we traveled and we went to different churches. We led worship and did the van life thing before it was a thing. And so when we came here, we weren't chomping at the bit to come on staff at a church. We were loving what we were doing. And we were like, you know, 17 years later, oh man, it's way better than we ever thought it would. I wouldn't change a thing. And we're so glad that we're here. And the same thing happened this past year. Colby, we have two kids. There's Josie and Colby. Josie's 10. Colby's eight. And um, we signed Colby up for baseball. So we signed him up and we're thinking, okay, well, this is it. This is, this is the start of the major league career right here. Seven-year-old baseball, right? Coach pitch. It's got to start somewhere. No, we thought, okay, he's going to have fun. He's going to meet some friends. He's going to, you know, a little work ethic and all that. And it's just, just kid. it's coach pitch baseball. A year later, totally different than we thought it was going to be. It's honestly not even about baseball or Kobe at this point. It's about the people that God has brought into our lives and the other families that we've met along the way on the teams that we're on. And, it's, and baseball is even secondary. And it's so much better than we thought that it was going to be. And so I want us to dive into the story, a story today about two brothers. Their names are James and John. Now these brothers are disciples of Jesus and when they set out on this journey with Jesus to be one of his followers, one of his disciples, they thought it was going to be one way. And then somewhere along the way, a switch was flipped and they began to see this is not at all what we thought we signed up for. This is way different. And so I want us to look in Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Now, as you're, as you're moving there, as you're getting there, I want to set this story up a little bit. So, they were setting out on a journey to Jerusalem with Jesus. Jesus and the 12 disciples were setting out on a journey to Jerusalem. What's going to happen when they get to the end of the journey? When they get to Jerusalem, that's when Jesus is arrested and he's tried, he's convicted, he's sentenced to death, raised from the dead. We know the story. 
we'll dive into that in a couple months when Easter gets here. But they set out on this journey. Now, the funny thing is, is along the way, along this journey, Jesus tries to tell them three different times that he's going to be arrested and he's telling them what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem, that he's going to be sentenced to death. Three different times he tries to hear them. Now, at the beginning of the journey, Jesus heals a man who's blind and gives him back his sight. And at the end of the journey, towards the end, Jesus does the same thing. And it's really funny that he bookends this journey with giving someone sight and vision because it's as if none of his disciples had any sight or vision for why they were there or what they were doing. These blind men could see more, way more clearly than they could. And so let's look at the first time Jesus tells them he predicts his death to them. He tells them about it. He gathers, gathers them together. Peter, being Peter, does a very Peter thing. He pulls Jesus aside and it says he, he kind of rebukes Jesus and he says, Jesus, we don't know exactly what he said, but Something along the lines of, Jesus, listen, you're bringing down the party, okay? <laughs> don't, don't say things like that. Right? You're not, you're not, that's not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. And Jesus gets a little forceful with him. And Jesus looks at him in the eyes and rebukes him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, if Jesus calls you Satan, you did something wrong, right? So why did Jesus say that? Because I think what Jesus was saying is, Peter... I'm, I'm doing the will of my father, and it's tough, and I don't need you tempting me otherwise. They, they just didn't get it. And so they move along on this journey towards Jerusalem, and Jesus tells them a second time. Tells them about his arrest, his death, his burial, his crucifixion, all this. And how do they respond? Well, they're going to get it the second time, right? No. As a matter of fact, they were all just kind of talking among themselves. And Jesus said, what's going on? And they said, okay, Jesus, Jesus, we want to know something. We want to know something, right? You talk about this glory, this future glory, and all this kind of stuff. Which one of us is going to be the greatest in your kingdom coming up, right? Which one of us is greatest? And if you're a parent in this room and you've tried to get a point across to your kids after a while and they just don't get it, what do you do? Oh, my gosh. I think Jesus, it doesn't tell us Jesus did that. It doesn't like give us pictures. I think that's what he did. I think he's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me, right? And he's like, guys. Okay. Let me tell you how it is. You want to be the greatest? If you want to be the greatest, you must become the least. That's, that's how you become great. I imagine all the disciples were like, oh, okay, sorry. I mean, what a downer. They still didn't get it. So then they move along on this journey and the little story happens where the children come unto him and they're trying to keep him away. And Jesus says, no, let the little children come unto me. That happens. And then the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and maybe you've heard that story and, and that happens. And then a third time, they're going to get it this time. Jesus is going to tell them what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. Let's see if they get it. Okay, so... Jesus tells them, and we're in Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. He tells them, and then we pick up here. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So James and John also had a nickname. Their nickname was the, thun the sons of thunder. Okay. So not only were they disciples, they were heavyweight professional wrestlers. Okay. So it's a great name, right? Tag team. 
So the sons of thunder, Zebedee, came up to him and they said to him, teacher, 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 we, we want you to do for us whatever we ask, okay? All right, again, parents, if your kids come up to you and are like, mom, dad, mom, dad, do for us whatever we ask, okay? Well, you're getting ready for something. So I imagine Jesus was like, here we go again. Okay, what you want? And that's basically what Jesus did. See, they don't tell us his physical things. I'm just putting that in there, but I think I'm right. Okay, so Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It might have been more like, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant to us that one sit at your right hand in glory, and then one of us can sit at your left hand in glory. They didn't get it. Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just tell you that I'm going to die and I'm giving my life as a ransom. You want, I can only imagine Jesus was hacked off. Listen, you can be the son of God and be hacked off, okay? That's, that's fine. Here's how Jesus responded. Again, I'm just kind of putting in for dramatic effect. Jesus said to him, you don't even know what you're asking I think he said, really? Like in high-pitched, really? Seriously? You, you, don't even, you don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are, are you able to be baptized with the baptism which I'm baptized? Meaning, are you going to be able to go through what I'm going through, what I'm about to do? And then what do they say? Just, man, just like an immature kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're ready. Jesus, we're able. We are. We are able. And Jesus said to him, oh, listen, <laughs> you, just, you just wait. The cup that I drink, oh, you will drink. Believe me. Jesus knew the story. He knew what was going to happen. And with the baptism which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit in my right hand or my left, that's not mine to grant. But it is for those who have been prepared. And so then when the others heard this, when the other 10 disciples heard this, it says they grew indignant. They grew upset. They were mad. What are you guys doing over there? You got him in the corner jockeying for positions? All right, we've already gone down this road. And so they're mad. And so Jesus calls to them and he said to them, so I think this is kind of like, all right, kids, family meeting, get in here. We're going we're gonna to talk about this, okay? Family meeting. Jesus, this was a come to Jesus meeting or, or come to himself meeting. I don't know how you'd say that, right? This is, this is, this is the family meeting. He's pulling them, in, pulling them in. And Jesus called to him and said to him, guys, you talk about greatness, right? You talk about being great. You talk about being big. We're going to overthrow the Romans. We're going to do all this, this big time stuff, right? Do you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them, don't they? And the disciples were probably like, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to do, man. We're going to rule. We're going to lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. And then Jesus looks at them. And I think with a sternness and a love, but in all seriousness, he, seriousness, he said this. But it shall not be that way among you. 
This is kind of like the conversation I have with my kids before we go somewhere and how we're going to act when we get there. I don't care what anybody else is doing. We don't act that way. You get it? I think that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. He said, this will not be so with you. But whoever would be great among you must be your what? Say it. Servant. Again, if you want to be great, fellas, you serve. That's what this is all about. And he said, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. And then, he, and then he gives his own life as an example. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for, for many. He's saying, even me, I'm God himself. I came to this earth to serve, not to lord it over people. And in that moment, Jesus took a room full of testosterone-driven, stinky men and flipped the switch on them and said, this is not what you signed up for. This is what it's about. It's about serving others. It's about giving your life for other people, not lording or ruling over them. It's not about you, basically. It's about others. And man, we're so hard. We're so hard on these disciples. But we're the same way, aren't we? I mean, I'm the same way. I make this Christian life all about me, all the time. But, but what does he say in Galatians 5.13? He said, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or to gratify your own self. He said, but through love, what? Serve one another. But man, it's so difficult to remember that day in and day out. But Jesus gave us three reasons, three, I think three things that we pulled out of these passages of why we should serve. I want you to grab your pen. I want you to write this down. Here's the first thing. Why should we volunteer to serve? Serving others is a requirement for living a great life. It's a requirement for living a great life. All the disciples were talking about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the biggest, the baddest. If you want a great life, Jesus said, you've got to become the servant of all. Look at that, verse 43. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. It's a requirement for living a great life. I was talking with a lady the other day. She's had a lot of loss in her life the past few years. And so she's, she's going through, walking through a lot of grief and, and coming through the holidays, it was tough for her, which is, which is pretty common when you're walking through grief. And so she said, yeah, it was, I just had a bad week last week. And she said, uh, I got up that Tuesday and I was just really, I was, honestly, I was just really depressed and discouraged. And I asked her, I said, so what'd you do? She said, well... She said, I, I just, I prayed. I asked God, what, what do you want me to do? And so I got up and I went to Publix. And I bought a bunch of roses and baby's breath and other little weeds to make them look pretty. I don't know what that's called. And put them in vases, you know. And, and she said, and I took them to all my neighbors around me. And she said, one of my neighbors, they're in their 90s and they've been married over 60 years. And they, they get lonely a lot. And so I just sat and I talked with them for a few hours. And I asked her, I said, 
were you depressed after that? And she said, I had a great day. If you want to live a great life, serve others. We asked Bonnie's mom after her, her dad died and um, suddenly and unexpectedly, how, 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 she was seemingly making it through pretty well. And we said, how are you, what are you doing? She said, you know, instead of sitting on the couch and wallowing in it when I feel like I want to, I just get up and I go to the kitchen and I make a casserole and I take it to somebody in the church that needs it. That's how you know you live in South Georgia when you get up and you make a, a casserole <laughs> for somebody. And that's how she gets through it. That's how she got through it. If you want to live a great life, you got to serve others. You got to make it about somebody other than yourself. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Serving others will never be convenient, but it'll always be worth it. It's never convenient, but it's always worth it. Why is it never convenient? I was thinking through this for my life and, and the things I picked out in my life, and maybe it's the same for you, I don't know. The first thing is, is man, I can be extremely selfish. <laughs> We're selfish people, right? I like my time. I like my stuff. I like doing what I like doing. And, and it's just as simple as that. I get so, and it's not like I, I say, oh, I don't want to help people. No, I get so busy and so consumed with what's going on in my little world that I just don't notice the needs going on around me. That's what happens to me. I think, I think the second thing, and I think another reason why it's inconvenient is we're busy people. I mean, it's not like we got a, a bunch of time we're just trying to find and to fill with different things, right? You got jobs, you're, you got kids, your kids got jobs, your kids have extracurricular. I mean, you got stuff going on and everybody wants a piece of you and everybody wants money for this and time for this and there's no seasonal sports. It's all year round. Yeah, I mean, it's just all, we're busy. You got stuff going on. And it's not convenient to add another thing in that seemingly doesn't help the situation. Right? I'm not looking to add stuff to get more involved. But someone told me not long ago, they said, life is about investments. And investments are about choices. So if I have an allotment of money that I want to invest, I have to make a choice to invest it here rather than invest it here or spend it here. Meaning this is going to have to go by the wayside so I can invest my money here. Time is the same way. Attention is the same way. Everything in your life is about investments and choices. So with my time, I can either invest it here or I can invest it here. I can't do both. Which says I'm going to have to make a choice to say no to this thing or these things so I can do this. And this leads us to the principle that Jim Collins wrote in his book, Good to Great. He said, and you've probably heard this before, the good is the enemy of the great. They're good things. They're not bad things. It's not like you're out murdering people, right? I mean, selling drugs. No, you're, they're good things. But in light of other areas where you can invest that could be world-changing, life-changing, they're the enemy of the great. And because we're busy people, we can't fit both in. So I'm going to have to, if I want to A, B this thing, I'm going to have to set this thing next to this thing and see which, which one's the good and which one's the great. And, and Jesus already told us here, 
in the first point that if you want to live a great life, use it for investing in others. And so that's going to, that's going to win every time. We think we're busy. Look at verse 45 there. Jesus said, he said, listen, you think you guys are busy? You got a lot going on, right? He said, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, I got a lot going on. I'm God, right? I, I, stepped, out of, I stepped out of perfection to come to this earth to serve you. That's what this is about. And that's what he's saying. It's never convenient. There's not open times. We're going to have to make choices. But it's always worth it. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute of why it's worth it. But let's go on to, to point number three. So if you want to live a great life, you serve. It's not going to be convenient, but it's worth it. Point number three. Serving others is a lifestyle. And it begins with serving those God has put around me. Okay, so let's, let's take that first half of that. Serving others is a lifestyle. What does that mean? Well, if something is a lifestyle, it means it's a pattern in our life. So if I want to make something my lifestyle, I put it in the pattern, the everyday ritual of what I'm doing, right? So hopefully for you, brushing your teeth is a lifestyle. I hope so. And, and you know, eating is a lifestyle. Exercise, if you want to do it, it's going to have to just fit in the, the everyday pattern of your life. He says serving should be a pattern in your lifestyle. It's something you just naturally do. You don't just do it one time and say, oh yeah, I did that. It's something you continually do, daily, weekly, or monthly, however. It's a lifestyle that begins with serving those God has put around me. Who's around me? All right? My closest neighbor is my wife. <laughs> so for me, serving should start with serving my spouse, serving my kids, serving your mom or dad, serving the people that are closest to you. Now let's branch out from there. See, God's not calling all of you to go to Africa or go to Haiti or whatever and move there. And listen, if he does, then that's, that's great. He does that. And maybe he wants you to go on a short-term mission trip to, to Haiti or the Dominican Republic or something like that. There's amazing value in that. But you don't live in Ackworth by chance. And you don't live in Kennesaw or Marietta or Cartersville or Cobb County or Paulding or Baltimore. You don't live there by chance. You don't live in your house just because you liked the floor plan. You don't live in your neighborhood just because you love the pool and the amenities or the school system. No, it's way bigger than that. Here's why you live where you live. Here's where God planted you where he planted you. Because he saw that in your neighborhood, on your cul-de-sac, on that baseball team or whatever, that he needs a little Jesus there. And that's what Christ, Christian means. Christian means little Christ. I need a little Christ there, and I need a little Christ there, and I need a little Christ here and here and here. And that's why we are where we are. The problem is, is our attention gets so much on us and our world, we don't see the real reason God put us there. I got problems of my own, Jack. <laughs> I can't. But he wants you to serve wherever you are, those people around you. You're not at North Star just because you like to hear Mike, you like to hear Mike preach and you like the music and no. That's part of it. God does want you to come and he wants you to grow and he wants you to get in a community. But you're also here not to just come in the door, grab a cup of coffee and sit and listen to a great message and a great song. I love that song. And then go home and live your week and come back next week. No. 
It's to serve others around you. That's why we are where we are. And when he's done with us here, he'll move us to another location. If you want to live a great life, serve. And it's not convenient. Sometimes it's a major pain. But it's worth it. And I want to give you an example of the worth and why it's worth it. See, every week on these hallways around us and in the other building on a Sunday morning, we have people who volunteer to teach our kids all ages from birth through high school and college on a week, on the, during the week, teach our kids about Christ and the love of Christ. We got people in the parking lot when it's below 20 degrees holding doors and, and parking people and serving coffee and, and all. So I told you my kids are 8 and 10. So when Colby was, uh, when Colby was born, we, we brought him here that first Sunday. And we were really nervous, not so much for Colby, but for the workers. Because, man, he, he like had reflux and, and he'd spit up. And, man, it was like a fountain, man. It was a geyser. So we brought towels for those poor workers and everything. And, and they held him and loved him and never put him down. And it was so incredible. And, um, and then he transitioned over over to the crawler's room, and that's always, that's always tough, you know. They're growing up and going through the next stage, and they played with them, and they had a little Bible study. They're discipling them on their level, and then he grew up, and, and Josie grew up, and they moved over from that hallway to this hallway, and they moved to the twos room, and Bonnie and I loved that with Nikki and all them, and we loved it because we were leading worship a lot then, and so he was on this hallway, and Josie, when they were in, and we could pass by and see them. And man, they always talk about the cuddle time that they, you know, Colby's a good cuddler and all that cuddle time they got. And then, uh, this was the hardest one. He, when he turned three, because he moved up, they moved up into this room and we didn't see him a lot because he's not downstairs. You couldn't just pass by his room. He loved it. He, uh, he got to go to, he got to go to the, the playhouse now. And in the playhouse, man, they sing, they dance, they do all kind of fun stuff. And, and they're teaching them the Bible. They get a little deeper in their, their knowledge and their teaching. And Kobe loved it. And then he got to be big. And he started going to the, uh, to the hub. He came over to the elementary school hall. And he got to go to the hub. And in the hub, man, that's where the big kids are there. They do... They do all kind of acting and they do sing songs and play. It's so fun. And then they do the challenge and they're memorizing scripture. My kids would come home and they would, uh, they would say things. And I'm like, you know, as a pastor, I feel like I probably should have told you that and taught you that. But I don't think I did. They, no, they didn't. They learned it at church. It's our job as parents to disciple our kids, but we partner with North Star for resources and all. And so not so long ago, a year or so ago, a couple years ago, Bonnie was doing dis devotions with him in the morning for school. And I, I, sometimes I have to leave to come to work early. And so I can't be a part of that. And this one, it was a couple weeks before Christmas. Kobe said, Mama, I want to do that. And she said, do what? He goes, I'm ready to invite Jesus into my heart. And we have been praying for that for a while. And she said, you are? And he goes, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it on Jesus' birthday. I want to do it on Christmas. Okay, it's just a couple weeks away. 
So Christmas morning gets here and we're like, let's not, let's not say, let's just see if he's still, you know, he's young. Let's see if he brings it up. We get up for Christmas mornings. Before we open presents or do anything, he comes out and he says, I'm ready. Okay, ready to open presents? No, no, I'm, I'm ready to invite Jesus into my heart. Are you serious? Really? I am. And so since Bonnie had been doing the devotions with him and kind of walked that road with him, I said, why don't you, why don't you pray with him? Um, the unspiritual guy took the picture. Me. And so they sat there and Josie on one side and Bonnie on the other and he bowed his head and he began to pray to invite Christ into his life. And tonight, this salvation story will be fulfilled and he's going to be baptized. And he wants all of you to come. He's so excited. He got up this morning. He was so nervous. I'm so excited. I'm going to get baptized tonight. And I look at this picture and I think about what it took for this picture to come together. You got Josie who came through the same volunteers, the same classrooms that he did, learning the same things. She came to know Christ here and got baptized here. Bonnie, who grew up in church and she got saved when she was in high school at a student camp with volunteers that poured their time into students. The guy holding the camera, same thing. I grew up in church, got saved as a kid because of what I learned there. Every volunteer that touched my life and Bonnie's life and Josie's life had a hand in my son spent an eternity with Jesus in heaven. If you take one of them out, the picture doesn't look the same. You take one person out of any of our spiritual journeys, what does the picture look like? I don't know. Maybe fine, but I don't want to think about it. I kind of like the way it turned out. Tell me serving doesn't change lives. You ask any kid, any teenager here, it does. If you want to live a great one, you invest. I want to ask you this question. Whose piece of the picture, whose block are you holding? Whose picture's not going to look the same Unless you serve. And listen, they need it. But even as much as that, them, we need it. Because I think sometimes it does far more for me to serve than it does for the people I'm serving. When you came in, you got that card. And uh, on this card... It's every opportunity we have openings for on a Sunday morning. These are the areas that we really have needs in. And here's what I want you to do. Over the next minute, Aaron's going to come out and sing a a song. Steph's going to sing it in the chapel. This is a great song. And I want you to listen to the lyrics of it. It's challenging for me to hear. But during this song, I just want you to, I want you to do this. I want you to, okay, God, I'm giving you my time. 
what is good in my life and what is great? Is my good the enemy of the great? Will you pray with me? Father God, uh, I'm so glad that the Christian life is not what we thought it was. That it's way different because it's way better. And God, even though living our life for other people and serving other people is inconvenient, God, it is well worth it. God, I look at my life and my kids' lives and lives of people in this room who would not be here if it wasn't for people giving of their time, getting up a little earlier on a Sunday morning, staying a little later, just an extra hour, or people serving them wherever they are. So God, will you speak to our hearts now? We want to see you more clearly. In Christ's name.